I enjoy going out and riding the bike. That's why I was just going out on a Sunday night after dinner, short ride. We failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. I'm a man! I'm 40! And to make presumptions like you all make really, really upsets me. It, it really does. I mean, it's so unfair. You don't need to write about that. There's so many more good things that you can write about happening around here that people would be interested in. I'd love to see somebody do a little bit of research and figure it out. It really do my heart good. The beat Texas to deal on a two-yard line three times in a row at the end of the game. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Saturday podcast. This is week 11. I'm Graham Watson here with Nick Bromberg and the college football season has taken quite a turn. The SEC, wow. Um, For the first time of the college football playoff rankings, the SEC East is not being represented. That's, uh, That's amazing. I was surprised Florida fell all the way out of the rankings. I mean, we all knew it was going to drop, but drop all the way out of the rankings? That's uh, that's about as harsh as it gets. That's maybe as harsh of a drop that we've seen since the, the rankings came to be. Well, and speaking of, of harsh drops, the SEC, I think they're the... Washington to four is a big takeaway from, from the rankings here. But I think the SEC, they're the multifaceted takeaway of, of the rankings because I think you look at the, how bad the East is. Mm-hmm. You know, you have nobody from the East ranked down the top 25. And then you have to sit here and compare and contrast LSU and Texas A&M, where you have an LSU team that fell 11 spots mm-hmm. after losing 10 nothing and playing competitively for, I think, Two and a half quarters? Is that a fair assessment? Um, with with Alabama? Three? Three quarters. I'd give them three. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You give them three. And a Texas A&M team that they were losing when Trevor Knight was in the ballgame. This was not a Trevor Knight got hurt and things fell apart for Texas A&M. This was a they were getting run when Trevor Knight was in the game. And Mississippi State at three and five, really not that good. I mean, this is the same Mississippi State team that lost week one to South Alabama. And I'll get to another point regarding South Alabama here in a minute. Klanga. But Klanga, it was the Klanga, the Klanga, <laughs> Klanga. game. And they've dropped, and they dropped four spots. What in the hell? I don't, I don't get it at all because it just it makes no sense, especially when you extrapolate it out and, and you look at a Western Michigan being 21 at 9 and 0, mm-hmm. Boise State 22 at 8 and 1, San Diego State then must have to be. 26, 27, 28 with one loss because their one loss came to that same South Alabama team that beat Mississippi State, that beat Texas A&M, that only dropped four spots. It, <laughs> the logic here, it's it's convoluted, and we're at the we're at the point where I think this is going to be the annual, the weekly frustration with the rankings is that it it's going to be hard to get from point A to point B to point C in a in a linear fashion. But remember, the rankings are. Always, this has always been the the mantra with the rankings. It is new every single week. We are not ranking teams based on past weeks. We are clearing the board. So the rankings today are cleared off the board. Come the last game of Saturday. All right. Correct. But and we're starting the fresh. Logic, we're starting fresh. But the logic, the logic shouldn't start fresh every week. 
but it, it the does. rankings can start fresh, <laughs> but the logic shouldn't. But it does, and that's the that is the part that that irks everybody. That is the part that makes everybody very frustrated with these weekly rankings, um, because there is there feels like there's no consistency. There feels like you don't know why things are happening when they're happening. Um, and you know, I, we did the roundtable this week about who we thought was going to be number four. Both you and Sam picked Washington. I decided to kind of go out on a limb and pick Ohio State, but I think my reasons were totally valid. If, and that was the same reasons that I brought up too. Right. If if you were to say, you know, if if you were using the same reasoning as why a one-loss Texas A&M team was ranked ahead of a zero-loss Washington team in the initial rankings, it was all about strength of schedule. Well. Washington does not have a better strength of schedule than Ohio State. Uh, you know, one's undefeated, one lost to, I don't even know where Penn State is, 10, 12, somewhere this week. Uh, you know, a pretty darn good Penn State team. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I feel like the consistency, which has always, always been the, the the knock on this college football playoff committee consistency 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 using the same criteria from week to week it's fine if you want to restart it's fine if you want to wipe the slate clean but use the same criteria that you used for week right. one as in you do in week two three four and five that that's all we ask we just want some consistency and you know and, and let's get back to washington here um i didn't have a problem i was just kind of playing naysayer there um, in our roundtable this week. I don't have a problem with Washington being number four. I was probably one of the people who advocated for them to be number four in the initial rankings. And we know Pat Forty, our, our very own Pat Forty, was also very vehement about his need for Washington to be number four. Um, do you think the committee got it right? And do you think the reasoning behind this uh, was correct as well? I do. I do. And, um, you know, this is a Washington team. If you look at, because what was it, Barry Alvarez, as he talks about game control, mm -hmm. Washington pretty much controlled that game against Cal. And Washington also, too, has controlled every game it's been in. I think the exception is the little scare they had at Arizona. But, but you know, you look at this and say Washington has proven it's one of the best four teams. Yeah, the Pac-12 is down, but I think the Pac-12 is deep. And... We could, I could see Ohio State being number four this week, but if Washington goes and beats USC, a USC team that I think right now is probably, if you're doing it at the moment right now, rankings maybe underranked at number twenty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then there's no excuse for Washington not to be at number four at ten and zero. I agree, and I think that's going to be a that's going to be a tough game. Um, that's the best. That's the best game of the weekend, oh, I think, by coming far, up. By by far. <laughs> Um, you know, and which which sucks because I think I think that going into this weekend, looking at it from the outside in, you would have said, "Oh, Baylor, Oklahoma, that's going to be an awesome game." I'm I'm so looking for forward to that game. That's going to be great. Uh, Texas, West Virginia, man, that's going to be a really great game. Can't wait, can't wait to see that one. And you know, both those games are kind of like meh, neat, okay. Even Auburn, Georgia, that should have been a great game. No, not really. Not even kind of. Don't really care. And, you know, it's, it's, so it's a little disheartening, I think, um, that, that college football has been, I don't want to say such a letdown, but there's been some letdown parts of it. Uh, you know, LSU-Arkansas is a good game this weekend. Um, Minnesota-Nebraska is decent, but the luster came off of that game yeah. with Nebraska getting thrashed. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and really getting thrashed. <laughs> 
I mean, just in a in a shocking way. As, and another team that didn't fall as much as LSU did. Right. I mean, just just absolutely shocking. I think this game being at Washington, this USC game being at Washington, uh, helps Washington, no doubt. Um, you know, but I, and I'm giving Washington all the credit in the world for going on the road. Uh, you know, against Utah and winning there. That's a hard place to play. Let anybody tell you any different. Playing against Utah, it's very loud. Stadium shakes. Um, you know, that is a very hard place to play. And Jake Browning, Jake Browning had a fine, steady game in that Utah game. But what makes Washington so good is Chris Peterson and his ability to read the situation and understand what is going to make his team successful, not only against another team, but also in a particular environment. Washington ran the ball like crazy against Utah. Um, and, and, you know, you have a Heisman potential quarterback and you were handing the ball off, you know, however many times it was. I, I think Gaskin had, you know, 200 yards or close to it. Um, you know, something like that. I mean, they ran quite a bit. I think overall they had they had 200 plus yards against, against uh, Utah. And, um, you know, it was a good game plan. That was a tough game. And they gritted it out there at the end. 19 for 151. Okay, 151. Um, and then the team overall, what, had... Browning threw Browning threw the ball twenty times. Okay, which isn't a lot, really, for him. No, that's not a lot. I mean, in, in the modern college football, right. that is that is not a lot. It, that that is his second lowest passing output of the season. Portland State he only threw nineteen passes, and then in Arizona he threw twenty one. Stanford he threw twenty one. But everything else, he's basically between nineteen and twenty eight the entire season. But he's been closer to twenty eight more often than nineteen. And the yardage has been higher. And Correct. you know, and he threw an interception. He's only thrown three on the year, so he threw that interception against against uh, Utah. And I think he had one that was dropped in that game as well. I mean, Utah, good secondary, good defense. Nobody's again, nobody's going to argue these points. So to be able to go on the road and beat Utah, I think that gave them a little bit of clout there. Being able to beat this USC team that I feel like is as hot as say like an Auburn right now. I mean, it's one of the hotter teams in the country right now who, um, you know, struggled early and has really come on. Sam Darnold has, has just changed that team um, and the way it operates offensively. The running game is playing well. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be a really great, fun game to watch. And USC has not allowed more than 24 points in any of its like last three games. So, or actually in any of its last five games, I think during, during its winning streak. So, um, so in that regard, you know, what all eyes are going to be on Jake Browning to see what kind of numbers can he put up? Can he be the Heisman contender that, you know, people want him to be? He's I, he's playing for se- he's he's playing for second but in the is Heisman. He? I don't mean is he? You know, um, I think he is. I think he is. And I don't mean that as a slight. I wasn't trying to say that as a slight. I I think he's playing because second in the world of Lamar Jackson, that's but see, that's very good. I believe I believe there are still some purists out there, some some football purists, if you will, who vote for the Heisman, who are looking at Jake Browning and saying, this guy is a quarterback. He is a traditional quarterback. He's not running all over the place. You look at Lamar Jackson's passing numbers, they ain't that great. You know, they, they really aren't, his his. Per, his uh, completion percentage is not that great. He he threw for seventy percent against Boston College, but you know you and I could probably combine for seventy percent against Boston College. But the three games before that, he was in the fifties. That was cruel. That was cruel. Sorry, Boston College. My bad. But the the three games before that, he's in the fifties. Um, J- 
Jake Browning is averaging, what, 68%, something like that? Three interceptions, something like 36 touchdowns, 34 touchdowns, something like that. Um, You know, he's well on his way to break Jared Goff's record of Pac-12 touchdowns at 43. Um, He's also on his way of breaking, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the kid? Why? <laughs> Why is it saying you're not giving me much of a hint? Uh, the guy who plays quarterback in Seattle. Come on, Russ, Russell. Thank Wilson? you, Russell Wilson. He's on his way. Sorry, sorry, Wisconsin and NC State. Uh, he's on his more. way to breaking Russell Wilson's passer rating record that stood for five years. So, if you love you some traditional, good old-fashioned quarterbacking, Jake Browning is your guy. If you like the flashier, more dynamic, which I will say Heisman voters tend to lean toward, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, uh, if you like those types of guys, then Lamar Jackson is your man. But I think there's an argument to be made for both. It just depends on what side of the of the uh, quarterbacking coin you fall on. What about you? Do you like more traditional versus a little more flashy? Because let's be honest. Jake Browning's not going to wow you with his feet. He's definitely not going to wow you with his feet, but he's killing you with his arm. Similarly, Lamar Jackson probably he's got a he's got a he's got a cannon. He has a hard time harnessing it. He has a hard time with his accuracy. But he's going to dazzle you when you need 12 yards. The man can can make magic happen. So which one do you fall for? Which one or which one uh, do you fall in line behind? Is more of what I'm saying. Well, I the re, I'm not necessarily making this a distinction between uh, between styles of quarterbacks I'm making it again the it's the Christian McCaffrey distinction in the sense of if he should have gotten the Heisman last year or he you know he was a more outstanding player potentially than Derrick Henry on who was on the best team in college football mm-hmm. um how do you expect Jake Browning to win the Heisman um in a in an environment where Lamar Jackson's a hu- human highlight reel I, and and he plays in the Central Eastern time zone. I think... It's all a good point. You know. And it's also, too, you know, it goes back to the... This goes back to Louisville, even back 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, willing to play games on Thursday night. Because, you know, you, we've, you've gotten used to seeing Lamar Jackson. He's played once, twice on Thursday night this year. And so, you know, you beat a Florida State team that everybody at the beginning of the year thought was going to be really good. And... and you know, you look at this and say, well, he's the flashy guy. Meanwhile, you've got this pro-style quarterback who's incredible, made a bigger leap than I think a lot of a lot of people thought Jake Browning was going to make a leap this year. And he, he's made a bigger leap than we all thought. And, you know, you look at his stats, you go, that's a Heisman winner in a lot of other years. But when you've got a guy like Lamar Jackson who, you know, you talk about records, he broke Louisville's single-season touchdown record, held by two pretty good college quarterbacks in Dave Ragone and Brian Brom. Um... You know, he did that halfway through the season. And so you say, well, that's a pretty damn good record, too. And he's going to challenge a lot of other records as we go on, even if they only play 13 games instead of 14, because they're probably not going to get to the ACC championship game. This is something that, you know, I I think Jake Browning is in the lead for number two. But, but as we go on, is is he playing Jabril Peppers? Is he facing Jabril Peppers? What What is it? You know, is it... Watson, Deshaun Watson, no. if he's assuming he's fully healthy? I don't think it is. No. But I think he's going to get their own reputation. You know, Deshaun Watson will probably probably get to New York, but Deshaun Watson is facing what I, what I just said. You know, you've got the 
most dynamic quarterback in Lamar Jackson. You've got the most steady quarterback in, in Jake Browning. And Deshaun Watson is not better than either one of those in either in either direction. I, 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 don't, I do not disagree. I do not disagree. I just am throwing him right. out there just simply and because of, I like Peppers, man. of the name recognition. I, I, I like Peppers. The, he played like every offensive position <laughs> short of offensive line last week. He was a wide receiver. He was a running back. He was a quarterback. He was a nickelback. He was a cornerback. He was a linebacker. I'm probably missing something else he did, but I think I covered it all. Oh, he was a safety. All in one game. All in one game last week. Did you know that? I didn't know that until yep. I read about it today. That was, uh, you know, find me another player who can do that. It's not about the stats for him. So that's the difference. There you go. Another little element, another little layer that, that voters will have to parse out. It's not about the stats with Peppers because, I mean, there's, there are stats there. Um, there's some good stats there. He's done some really great things. But his, it's his usefulness. You know, there's no other player that's as diverse as as he is. And, you know, I don't think we've seen a player like him in quite some time. So, but yet, another layer. There's just another layer. This is actually kind of an intriguing Heisman when you parse it out like this. When you don't just say, up, oh, Lamar Jackson won the he- is going to win the Heisman. If you really parse out the people who are who are in the running for this thing, um, it's very interesting. It, it is. It's, it's very interesting. And, you know, and then you've got your guy, Pumphrey. Um, who had another 100-yard game, but dang it, you can't have a 100-yard game against the 124th rushing defense. You just can't. You need to have a two no. or 300-yard running game. Sorry. Um, coming from San Diego State. Uh, it's unfair. It's absolutely unfair, but it's the, it's the way of the world. And so I don't think he necessarily put himself out of the Heisman race, but he's definitely put himself out of any long-shot contention at this point. That said... Um, he and Devontae Freeman, or, I can't, Dante, yeah, I'm going to spit it out eventually. I'm going to say this kid's name. Deonta Freeman? Deonta, yeah, Foreman. Deonta Foreman. Foreman. There's Armonte and Deonta. (laughs) Deonta Foreman. I was going to spit it out. I just got all, yeah. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think those two are, have got to be your Doak frontrunners, right? Yeah. I think the reason, I think the reason you get Deontay Foreman all confused is there is not from not too long ago in college football Devonta Freeman. Yes, that's the, where it from is. Florida State. Right. The Falcons aren't back. Right. So you know you, you look at that and say yeah, and also I think Jeremy Nichols is in there. Oh yeah, you know, with yeah, the, definitely. But yeah, and I had to I I had to fill out my my ballot for the Bolitnikov Award for the ten semifinalists, mm-hmm. and that was that was tough. I, but at the same time, I think picking ten was the tougher part because right now I think. D.D. Westbrook is still the man in terms of if I was leading and had to had to pick one right now, it would be it would be D.D. Westbrook because of the way he's he's lighting up the incredibly awesome Big 12 defense. Oh yeah, I I would agree with that. I I got no problem with that. And you know I had to do the uh, Davy O'Brien. I voted for the Davy O'Brien forever and ever and ever. And uh, that's the quarterback, the best quarterback. And they make you pick 16 right off the get. And I'm like, hmm. I mean, you can easily find 16. But it's really funny because they're alphabetical. So you're like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then you get to the bottom and there's like a big clump of guys like right at the bottom. And you're like, oh, man, I just picked like 35. So now I got to go back and like and like delete the guys. And I'm like, oh, I really like you. But sorry, you're not as good as all these other guys. Um, so narrowing that down to 16, even though, you know, it's, it's going to come down to three. And you probably know what which three those are going to be. Um, 
it, uh, it, it's, it's fun kind of picking the 16 and, you know, you know, I don't, I'm not one of those people. I'm not Steve Spurrier. I'm not ranking Duke every, every year, but, um, you know, there's always the one quarterback, the, the, uh, you know, occasional, you know, Zach Terrell over at Western Michigan that you just want to throw in there because, just because, right? because he deserves it. So I don't know that that's me. Um, you know, the, the, really it, it comes down to three guys and we all pretty much have an idea of which three guys those are going to be. So I don't know. So going into this week, we, we talked about how there's not really that many marquee games. Um, so do we see any more shakeup this coming, this coming week? I don't, I, I can't say I see it. I, you know, I've looked at the schedule for the rest of November and it's, it's really not that awesome until you get to the final week of the season. And even then, you know, you kind of talked about the the letdown, for lack of a better term. And I think we've, we had a lot of great matchups early in the season. But the teams have self-selected to the point where those matchups aren't really happening right now. Um, because, you know, you look at LSU-Arkansas, I think, is one of only, I'm just scanning here real quick, one of only, like, two matchups between ranked teams. USC-Washington and LSU-Arkansas, mm-hmm. and that's it this week, you know, and then you go forward into that, it, it, it gets worse and worse. I mean, it's, it's to the point now where next week's SEC game of the week is, is Tennessee and Missouri. Mm. Missouri! Poor mm. Missouri. On. I just had to rub, the, I had to put some salt in that wound. I haven't had enough salt in wounds lately. So, so. bad. So bad. And, yeah, it, it, this is the time when the SEC likes to take all their, you know, start doing their cakewalk games. Right, SEC Cupgate games start here in a couple of weeks, and you know, you look you fast forward to next week, Washington State, Colorado. That's like the one of the biggest games on the docket. Yeah, and it's actually right now the only game yep. between ranked teams. Oh, so, I'm sorry, Oklahoma, West Virginia. There's two. So, but again, you know, we're not looking at something. It's going to have to be a surprise that that very few people would predict and I I'm not willing to I'm not willing to predict that it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see Arkansas beat LSU because that came at at Arkansas um yeah and then drop LSU totally out of the rankings of course right but then you're also looking at an LSU team that wins that game an LSU team at 24 where they've lost to three top 10 teams yeah but see that apparently does not matter (laughs) um I know that would that again that makes no sense that you've got you know LSU's lost to one um Seven and nine by a combined seventeen points. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Does not seem to matter to anybody. <laughs> the way these rankings are going, and again, again, we start from the uh, from scratch, and you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting to look at how different the AP rankings are from the college football playoff rankings because college football playoff rankings we start from scratch every week ap rankings have been working on a template working on a model every week you kind of just you you shift people around depending on you know what's been going on um so there's teams that are still in the ap rankings that aren't even you know aren't even afterthoughts in the college football playoff rankings so I, you know, and then and, and people wonder. I, we 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 actually got this question um, on our Twitter the other day. People wonder why we still do a, an AP vote and a coaches poll vote um, because the college football playoffs. Because the college football playoffs are the only ones. No, I mean the AP awards its own champion. Um, so if if and it won't happen this year, but let's say if it were a thing where you know. 
the college football playoff. So the national champion was Alabama, and the AP decided Michigan actually deserved the title. Um, you know, say it all happened off of a kick six or something crazy like that. Um, you know, then the AP would award Michigan its own title. The AP has a... So Alabama, if Alabama were to win the national title and win the AP national title, they get two, they actually get two awards. So there you go, people. That's why we still have these things. And then there's other there's other um, awards that also come out. This is, right. This is why Alabama claims a 55 bazillion exactly. national title. Exactly. Because there are two, sometimes three. Um, there were three way back when. So, um, but yes, AP has its own pretty little, pretty little trophy that goes to the team and as well as that uh, fancy um, phallic-looking thing that the college football playoff puts out. So, um, yeah. So there. There it answers your question, Twitter. We got you. We pay attention. I got you, Twitter. I'm here to help. We're here. We're here to help. We are here. We are here to help. Um, should, we, should we go ahead and just do picks this week? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm okay with that. It's one of those kinds of days. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday, as we always do. Um, and it's just one of those kinds of days. <laughs> so let's just go that's, ahead. And, that's, that's, the, that's as close as we'll get. And that's, and that's we'll all get we're going to gonna, We're just going gonna to leave it at that. It's just one of those kinds of days. So um, you got picks. I got picks. I got lots of picks. I got all sorts of picks. You know who I like? All right. Well, I guess I get to go first. Please. So, you know, I am, I'm torn here. I think, oh gosh, I think I like West Virginia plus two at Texas. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. West Virginia keeps it keeps it rolling, sets up a monumental matchup for control of the Big 12 with Oklahoma next week. I want some Big 12 storylines here, you know? I, I want... Because I think Oklahoma dispatches Baylor fairly easily. Yeah. That line's at 16, by the way. And you know, I, I so I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna be optimistic, and say that West Virginia wins. Excuse me. I'm also gonna go with um, a game that's not may not be on people's radars. Central Florida, minus 12 and a half over a Cincinnati team that might have possibly quit. Oh gosh. Hey, you know what, Nick? Get a job. Get a job. Go to hell. <laughs> Uh, Tommy T. Tommy T. Bringing the heat with the Tommy with T. The get made, off my the lawn. Ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate irony of the Tommy T. Uh, telling people to get a job. He may not have a job at the end of the year. This is true. The there is no love lost between uh, that athletic director and that football coach there in Cincinnati. So it would not surprise any of us in the least if Tommy T. were were looking for employment at say whatever group of five school is going to be open which there's probably going to be a few. Um, even though, you know, some of them are getting filled. Butch Davis, Tedford, Ted's, Ted's. Going to Fresno State. There's a lot of fun, fun little under the radar, but coaches trying to resurrect their careers. I like it. Resurrect your career in, you know, in these lower, or you know what, maybe some, make some defining, you know, moment in the group of five. You know, do a Dennis Francione. Revive a program. You know, bring a program back to life. You know, maybe that's how you, you know, you go into your twilight years of coaching. You know, not not sitting on the sidelines or doing TV. You do it with some group of five team and you, you nurse them back to health and then you ride off on into the sunset as a, as a hero. Tommy Tuberville to replace Lee Corso on game day. No. no I'm, I'm, 
Uh, Les Miles, I'm still, I'm still holding out hope. I think, I know Les wants a football job, wants a, wants to coach again, but I'm still holding out hope. I think we all are. You know, it's been, a, it's been a tough year for us here in 2016. Can we just get Les Miles on game day? Is that too much to ask? I, I don't feel like it's unreasonable. Less miles on game day. Less miles for game day. Hashtag make it happen. All right. I like, and I can't even believe I'm saying this. I like Rutgers plus 14 against Michigan State. Mm. Mm. Oh, poor Michigan State. You you know, a, a story just came across the Twitters just a little bit ago about uh, D'Antonio um, <sighs> saying that he he pulled his team to find out their feelings, their emotions. What happened? Why are we so bad? Why are we so bad at the football this year? And to me, that just is sad. How did we get here, folks? How did we get here? I mean, how did we get here? Now, I appreciate his his willingness to have a conversation with his team. His willingness to deep dive into the into the feels, into the feels of his team. But how did we get here? This team definitely is in danger of not winning a conference game and it's going to start with this Rutgers game. Rutgers plus 14, folks. My other one, I've got four of them, but I, I you know, I'll, I'll parse it out. South Carolina plus 11 against the fighting Austin Applebee's. You know? I think that's a good pick. I like that. Yeah. Plus 11 against the... I, I think I think Will Muschamp... Right. Florida, Florida wins. It's just not going right. to be something that is a any is a blowout. No. And I think Will Muschamp has done a heck of a job with, with a South Carolina team that, frankly, nobody expected much out of. So, right. you know... And he's gotten those kids to believe that they can play with a lot of these teams in the in the SEC East. And heck, why not? <laughs> it's a terrible conference, or it's a terrible division. So why not? Let's go ahead and uh, call South Carolina plus 11. And my last one, uh, I think, I think I'm going to go with Pitt plus 21 against Clemson. Ooh. I think. Clemson has just it has nothing to do with Watson's shoulder or anything like that. I I just feel like Clemson has a way of making games like this closer than they should be. 21 is a perfectly reasonable number for Clemson, but Clemson just has a thing about making these types of games close. And so, I'm going to go with the fighting James Connors. <laughs> Excuse me on that one. So there you go. Those are my three picks. See if they, you know, we've been good. If you follow us consistently and you follow our picks or go back and look at the picks that we've made, we have had, we've been pretty nails um, at a lot of these picks, especially these underdog picks. Um, so I'm just saying, we're, we're not just, just smoke, blowing smoke up your butt. These are real, highly thought of, coin flipped picks <laughs> right here. So, you know. Don't don't bet your children's college fund, but you know. After starting six and zero last week, I went six and four. Eh, well, you know they can't all be winners. Above five hundred, that's just, which is a victory for me. That is a victory. I agree. All right, we're gonna wrap this one up. It's been fun. Unfortunately, not a great week of games, but uh, as we end the season, a lot of intrigue still left from 
who's going to make the college football playoff to who's going to win what division, who's going to play for their conference title games, and more importantly, whose coach is going to get fired. So for Nick Bromberg, I'm Graham Watson. Thank you again for listening to us here on the Dr. Saturday podcast. Find us on iTunes by searching for Dr. Saturday, and we'll check you guys next week. Go team.